Psalm 1 is obviously the first psalm. At least that's how we see it in our Bibles in the collection of psalms. It's not an accident that that's at the beginning, though. It didn't just happen to be there in Psalm 1 versus Psalm 10 or 100 or 150. Scholars believe that Psalm 1 actually serves as an introduction for the book of Psalms. It is a general idea. It is a, a foreshadowing of here's what's to come. Here is the big picture about a life well lived. It is a guide to the Psalms, but more than that, it is a guide to life. And as we examine Psalm chapter 1 this morning, we're going to look at it, and we're going to call it God's ultimate trail guide. And we're going to see what God has instruction for us wherever we are on the journey. There's young children. There's older children. I look around. I see recent graduates. You know, there's, there's young adults, middle adults, and, and smarter adults. Okay, we'll say that. And, and so we have all ages. We're, we're all along the path of life. And we all need God's trail guide. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Psalm chapter 1. And if you are physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word? <clears throat> Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would take these words that were written to us, to your people thousands of years ago, and God, yet they are relevant for everything we face in life today, that we would take them to heart, God, so, so that we would not go off the right path, that we wouldn't chase rabbit trails and waste our life, but rather our life would be invested in the things of eternity, the things that matter your things, God. So we would have the kind of life, the abundant, blessed life that you have for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you go to Amazon.com and you narrow the search area to books and you put in trail guide, you will find over 20,000 results. I don't even know how, how many more than 20, but I just began scrolling down as it said, 
one, two, three, four, five, you know, the first 25 of, of t- over 20,000 results, it said. And there are trail guides for every trail that you'll ever father, follow. You want to go to the Appalachians? Great. There's a trail guide. You want to go to the Rocky, Rockies? Great. There's a trail guide. And there's trail guides for, for uh, trails in the state of Minnesota and trail guides for Alabama or wherever you want to go. There's a trail guide out there for every, everything. And one of the interesting things is, is I began to look through the first 20, 30, 40 of these trail guides is they had a lot uh, in common. Even though the trails were in different places, they addressed certain areas. And there was, there was like maybe 15 or 20 different areas that each of these trail guides uh, wanted to, to focus on and help the people traveling, hiking, to get an awareness of. Now, I, being the kind pastor that I am, am not going to have 15 or 20 sermon points today, but I picked the most critical uh, or just my favorite five for us to look at, and I want us to see five things that God's trail guide has to say about life, and because there's five, we'll go through each one pretty quickly, but the first one we're going to look at is that every trail has a difficulty level. And when you go online and you start looking at different trails, you're going to, to see, and, and sometimes they're numerically rated, you know. Sometimes they'll, they'll have a, oh, a 1 to 5 is easy, and a 5 to 10 is moderate, and, you know, they'll have this kind of thing. Or sometimes they'll come out and say, you know, easy, uh, medium, hard, whatever. Well, a number of years ago, uh, when Denise and I had only been married, I guess, a couple of years I said, I want, to, I want us to go to Gatlinburg. And I remembered a trip. You know how you have memories of your own family trips when you're younger, and, and everything is just great in those memories, right? And so one of the great things I remember about going to Gatlinburg in that area when I was younger was hiking. I thought, man, that hiking is so fun. Now, you got to remember, at the time when I went hiking, I was the captain of my cross-country and track team. It was so fun back then for me to go hiking. And so I thought, yeah, this is going to be so fun. And I looked online, and I found a trail, and it said that it had a beautiful waterfall at the end of it. And I looked at the rating there, and it said easy, easy. Now, it's the Internet, so that couldn't be a lie, right? It had to be truthful. And so I said, hey, family, we're going on an easy trail, and we're going to find a beautiful site at the end of this trail. Well, let me tell you, they should have had, like, hard, medium, easy baby steps, bunny slopes, you know, something like that. They should have had that kind of trail because... This was not this. This was a continuous incline around this range of mountains for, had to be 50 miles. Maybe, maybe not quite that, but it seemed like it. And we got to the top, and and I was trying to keep up with the kids. and, and, And somewhere I knew that there was a very angry woman behind me. And so I was trying to stay as far ahead as I could because... I had convinced them this is my, my non-outdoor loving wife, my non-athletic loving wife, wonderful woman, but doesn't really care for those. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. It's going to be beautiful, pretty. We'll all enjoy it. I haven't lived it down yet, folks. All right? So when we come to the difficulty level of life, I want to say the first thing about this psalm is that uh, we, we learn that the difficulty level of life is variable. 
There is no promise in Psalm chapter 1 that your life as a Christian is going to be easy. There's no promise that it's going to be smooth sailing. In fact, as we go through the Psalms, we find... We find times when David's talking about being on that mountaintop and heading up to Jerusalem and worshiping and everything's great on the mountain. And then you get to other places like Psalm 23 and he's talking about going through that valley of the shadow of death. And there's ups and there's downs and there's flat spots. There's all kinds of stuff in life. And so the first thing that we can see looking at this psalm is that there's no promise that it's going to be easy. God never says, hey, this is an easy thing. He never tells us that, but he, what he promises is that he'll be with us. So rather than focus on the difficulty of life, because all of us are going to have some tough spots, we're all going to have some steep inclines along the path, we need to focus on the fact that God is with us. Second thing is the recommended equipment. Every good trail guide has a list of gear of all sorts of stuff, stuff that helps you, you know, be, uh, I don't know, stuff that helps support you like, you know, bug spray and you don't, you don't want red bugs and you don't want mosquitoes. And then there's, there's other stuff, maybe sunscreen if, you, if there's sun out and, and all kinds of gear, depending on whether you want to camp or not. There's really one, uh, one big thing and then a couple things that go along with it in this, in this psalm that tells us what we need to bring, and that is God's Word. We need to bring God's Word with us on the trail. Wherever we go, this is our guide through life. And he talks about in here, the psalmist talks about um, in verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So when we take this on the journey, not just on the coffee table, not just in the car where we'll have it for next Sunday, uh, not just on the nightstand if I happen to, you know, think about it or have time or wake up early enough, but we take this with us. I'm not literally saying that you must take a, a copy of the Bible with you, but it's in your heart because two things tell us that. First, he says, the one who delights in God's law. Do you delight in God's word? What about mail? When you go to the mailbox, you know, we don't get as much mail now because now we get more email. You know, we get more junk email. Than, and, and mail's kind of special. I've noticed especially for, for the younger generation, some people have never gotten a letter. And you get a personal letter, you don't look at it and say, eh, that's just another bill. No, it's very different from bills, junk mails, but personal. And we delight in communication that is personal. And this is God's personal communication to us. But secondly, besides delighting in it and cultivating that right attitude. And by the way, if you say, well, I, you know, I don't know about the Bible. I don't know about how I feel about that. If you were getting a love letter from your significant other and you weren't delighted to receive it, uh, that would be a wake-up call to you. That would tell you, hey, I need to do something. Something's not right in the relationship. And if your attitude towards God's word is not one of delight, not one of, of love towards his word and wanting to hear from him, that's a wake-up call. You need to do a checkup in your relationship with God. But besides just delighting in it, it says he meditates day and night. This is the idea that, that we just get into God's word and we just let it kind of saturate us. It's not that we, oh, I've read, okay, check, I've, I've read my Bible for today. But we get into God's word and we start to see how 
God, what, what did that mean for them? And what does this mean for me? How could this change my life? What would be different, God, if I really understood more about this? And, and we just begin to think on it. And you know, all of us get fixated on things at times. We all get stuck on things that are in our minds, and, and we just can't let them go. And, and we need to willfully to choose to keep God's word and his speaking to us in our minds. So the gear we need in life is God's word to us. We delight in it and we meditate on it. We ponder it. We consider it. We mull it over. We just keep on focusing on what God has to say to us, and we don't let the other voices drown that out. Now, third section, and this is a common one in a lot of the trail guides, major dangers. Major dangers. And this depends on where you are. They can be wildlife dangers. They can be plant dangers. You know, there could be little things kind of like uh, what we learned up here, things you're not supposed to put in your mouth. Don't eat these berries. They're bad or they're poisonous. Or You know, we, we learn of all kind of different dangers in each trail guide, each place we hike. And there's several dangers here. Listen in verse 1. What the person who's on the path and following God's guide, what that person does not do. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, let's talk about those three things, these dangers. Number one is following the crowd. The number one danger on the path is following the crowd. And we'd like to think, oh, this is for kids. This is for teenagers. No, it's for all of us following the crowd. Yeah, it's interesting that if... uh, you know, sometimes we can listen to something. We know it's the right thing to do. And, and, and you say, hey, you know what? I know my kid, they're never going to be the one to swallow that little thing that Miss Becky told them not to, and they're not going to do I know they know better. And that is probably true. But what if five of the other kids all of a sudden popped it in their mouth, and your kid saw that kid, and they seem like they're having fun. It looked like that was a good thing to put that in there. Well, what if another five, what if every other kid but them had put it in their mouth and they were having fun and it looked good? It'd be real hard for your kid to not do it like the rest. And guess what? You and I were just like those kids. We are influenced. We are affected by the people around us. And it tells us a lot about who we choose to travel the journey of life with. So when God says, blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, he's saying, blessed are those who deliberately choose to walk the path, listening to me, following me, rather than just going along with the crowd and doing whatever they say. That is a blessing. And so we are warned from following the crowd. Secondly, we're warned from playing with fire. He says here, the second thing, after not walking in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. You know what that means, stand in the way that sinners take? That's talking about that God's path is here, and there's a little detour right over here. There's a little rabbit trail. And somebody who's been on that path says, I know I should walk this path, but, you know, it won't, it won't hurt me for just to slide over here just a minute. And, and then a little bit later, they slide a little bit further And they get further and further away from God's path. And before they know it, they can't even see their way back. 
Before they know it, they're lost. Before they know it, they're in some poison oak or ivy. Before they know it, something bad has happened. And the idea here is when he talks about not not standing in the way of sinners, that is, not choosing to get off the right path. Not playing with fire. I, I love that one of the kids after Ms. Becky said, don't put this in, don't, don't swallow this, don't put this in your mouth. And one kid said, don't even put it near your mouth. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, kid. If you don't even ever put it near your mouth, you're probably not going to put it in your mouth. And, and we need to let have some margins, have some boundaries in our life where we know I want to stay as far away from getting on the wrong path as I can because I want to stay on the right path. So the dangers are following the crowd, playing with fire, and finally being smarter than the trail guide, being smarter than the trail guide. He says, don't walk and step with the wicked, don't stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Who are mockers? Mockers are people that are smarter than everybody else. Mockers are people that say, oh, no, I know that, you know, yeah, I I know that that's what they say, but, (laughs) you know, I know. And these people sometimes in life, they're smarter than their doctor. You know, they know, oh, I know that he's got an MD, but I know better than him. And, and they're, they're smarter than, than the government. They're smarter than this and that. And this. Now, I'm smarter than that preacher. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've studied the Bible longer than him, or my daddy was a preacher, or blah, 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 blah. Somehow, I'm smarter. You know, every person, they're always just somehow a little smarter than everybody else. There's nobody that knows more than them. And they can sit around and laugh and, oh, you, you people who just follow along, if you were only as smart as me, you would know better. Well, guess what? You may be smarter than your doctor. You may very well be smarter than me. You may be smarter than all of the experts, but you're not smarter than God. And that's where the mockers get in trouble. Because the mockers are haughty and prideful enough in their heart, even if they don't come out and say it, they have the attitude of, I know better than this. Yeah, that's what was written a long time ago, but this is now. I know how to live my life. Oh, oh, that doesn't have to do with my situation or my circumstance. And in this danger of getting in that company of mockers, of saying, hey, I'm smarter than the trail guide, we end up on a path of destruction. So these dangers are we need to avoid. Walking in step with the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the company of mockers. Fourth, fauna and flora. Fauna and flora. All these trail guides love to tell you about all of the plants and all of the animals that you will uh, encounter along the way. Well, we could... We could go a long ways here, and I could have funny, fun comparing certain people to certain animals, and we'd all get a kick out of that, but we've got food that we need to eat pretty soon. So I'm just going to talk about a couple of plants, one that has to do from each of these paths. First of all, there is a picture of the one who follows God's path. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, who yields its fruit and season and whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do, prospers. The one who follows God's path, the one who follows the way of wisdom that's given in his trail guide, is the one who is fruitful, well-watered, healthy. That is, is a person who will be productive in life. 
is a person who is nourished by God and his word and his people and his church. There's what happens if you get in a place where there's good soil and plenty of water. Well, a tree's going to put down some deep, deep roots. It's got the sun, it's got the water, it's got the soil, it's got the sky. Everything it needs is there, and this tree grows strong. Its roots are deep. It produces good fruit. It's a beautiful tree. It's kind of like you, you, you think back and you remember, oh, I remember Grandpa's orchard. I remember that farm. I remember this beautiful place I went in. The, uh, just a gorgeous picture of nature of a well-balanced, healthy tree, one that's got apples. You can just look at it and you just want to take a bite, pick it off and eat it right then. He says, but there is a different comparison for those who walk the path of the wicked, and that is they are like chaff. What's chaff? Chaff's just the waste. Chaff's the empty shell around the real kernel, the real nugget of, of goodness there. The chaff blows away. It's the junk that flies off. It indicates emptiness. It indicates impermanence. It's not weighty. There's no roots there. It's just something that's here today and gone tomorrow. And so the idea is that the path of life versus not following God's path or following it is you can have a path that you get in deep. And you grow with God's word and God's people. And there can be something of real permanence and significance. There can be a legacy in your life. Or you can just just go along, float along, go with the flow, follow everybody. Don't listen to anybody too much. You know, but just do your own thing. And your life ends up a chaff. Kind of looks good until the wind comes along and then you realize... There's nothing to it, and it blows away. Fifth and finally, in this tour guide that God gives of life, there's a destination description. I tell you what, that path I went on in Gatlinburg, there were some hardships. There was some tough stuff. Uh, Some of us thought so more than others. But when we did get to the end, one thing that tour guide, that, that trail guide didn't lie about was there was a beautiful waterfall. And we got to sit there and we got to, to play and throw rocks and take pictures and do all this great stuff. And all of a sudden, it was all worth it, to me at least. Others did not agree that it was all worth it, but I thought it was all worth it when I got to that point. There's two destinations described here. Talks about... The wicked and the righteous, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Two paths create two destinations. God's way, God's path, following his guide is a path of blessing. It's a path that leads to good standing in his company. Whether it's a congregation of his his people or whether it is the judgment itself, those who have followed his path, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and faithfully lived for him, there there is a standing. 
There is a result. There is something of permanence. And I'm not talking about earning salvation. I'm talking about building a life that honors the Lord. And that is a legacy that does not go away. On the other hand, the psalmist doesn't really go into great detail on the other path. He just says destruction. You can call that ruin. You can call that waste. But whatever you call it, the picture is of a life that was ultimately wasted. A life that ultimately uh, flitted here and there, went all over the place, did a lot of trivial stuff, may have hadn't had a lot of fun, but in the end result, there wasn't anything of permanence. There wasn't anything that lasted. And so the trail guide tells us we've got a very clear choice in life. Do I want to follow God's path? A path that may be difficult at times, but is always accompanied by the ultimate trail guide leader as God is with you through his spirit? Or do I want to be smarter than God and everyone else and go off on my own? God offers an ultimate trail guide for life, and I encourage and I challenge you to follow that guide. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We're so thankful and grateful that you don't leave us wondering. But God, you give us exactly what we need. You have a guide. You have our equipment. Lord, you have everything provided for us that we may live lives that honor you and lives that matter for eternity. Father, as a people of God, who worship here in a place where your worshipers, your followers have met uh, for over 150 years. Lord, we, we just want to say, God, thank you for your faithfulness, and may we be faithful to you in return. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You would take out your hymnals and turn to hymn number 502, Amazing Grace. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth stanza.